Hello, and welcome back to the Sports Medicine Podcast. Tonight, recording with me is not Haley Karpik. She is recovering from an illness. Uh, our technical lead and editing expert has graciously agreed to step in and sub for this episode. Brian, as you know, anytime someone new comes on the pod, we have to ask them what their walk-up song is. So which song are you going with? I'd probably go with something to like let everybody know. I'm just kind of like fun and and but also just kind of not taking it too seriously. So I'd go with like a Taylor Swift, probably like a message in a bottle. I feel like is a good like wow. hype up, but also like just kind of fun. As you can probably guess, I'm pro. Kel Swift, ta tra Traveler, whatever, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Very, very fun, fun uh, couple to, to to watch out for. I feel like that's a power couple if I've ever seen one. Other than us. I don't think you mentioned my main qualification, which is husband to you. Yeah, and can we get a quick uh, confirmation for the audience that I in no way, shape, or form coached that answer whatsoever? That I am just as surprised as the listeners right now. You did not directly coach me to say that I have just been well trained. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, well, speaking of Travis Kelsey, he plays in the NFL. This is a good transition. Today, I want to talk about kickers and punters in the NFL specifically. So, as we're rolling through the, the NFL season, I've now come across these interesting posts that have asked followers sort of two things, which is one, should game-winning field goals be eliminated from the NFL given the current completion rates between the average field goal versus a touchdown? And then two, is punting or should punting also go extinct given the continuing increase of statistical evidence that teams are much more likely to secure a first down and not give the ball back to the other team as opposed to punting it away and then letting the other team march down the field. So before we start debating these questions, I want to provide you and all of our listeners some background information and some stats. Brian, does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. According to Time Magazine, uh, which was an article titled, There's a Reason Footballs Are Shaped Like That. In the early 1850s, when people were playing the earliest version of American football that we know today, the football was actually circular in shape and made of an inflated pig's bladder, hence the term pigskin. If you're watching on YouTube right now, You'll see our, our editor has flashed a photo of one of the original footballs up on the screen. It does look like a circular rugby ball. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I, that is that feels unwieldy. It does. So, you know, as I just kind of hinted at, the sport of football actually evolved from rugby, which evolved from kind of earlier primitive versions of soccer and you know all three of these have overlap that 
you can kind of pinpoint. So kicking these early pigskins included dropping the ball and then kicking it after a low bounce, according to uh, the Harvard Magazine. Once the forward pass was invented, the football um, starts to modernize and take on the elliptical shape we recognize today, which made it easier to throw. Um, however, these elliptical-shaped footballs, as we know, have unpredictable bounces to them when they are kicked, so that kind of made it so that drop kicking and kicking off of a bounce you know, went away, and then in comes the evolution of place kicking and punting uh, that we watch today. So I found it interesting that in the 1950s, kickers were not specialists. Position players would step in to kick. For example, in 1953, legendary Lou the Toe Groza of what the Cleveland Browns. Name. What a great I know, name. the Toe. The Toe. The Toe of the Cleveland Browns was an offensive tackle. Groza converted 88.5% of his attempts that year, while the rest of the NFL missed more than half of their field goals. I mean, why are you calling him the toe? He should be like the leg. The, I, the doesn't miss. Like, I don't know. There's got to be something better than the toe, but it is still pretty sick. Yeah. And just think, like of an offensive tackle today just getting up for a field goal just kicking it through the uprights i mean that is crazy hey man if you're if you're good you're good true that is true it's just it's funny for me to think about you know while on the yeah. topic of kelsey's like jason kelsey offensive would... on the line set, like he's a center you know but he yeah. steps up in a time of need to kick a field goal i mean that would be that would be incredible. jason kelsey's what probably six three two sixty Something like that. Yeah, Makes so sense. Like, yeah, sure. That would be you I, I would be scared after, to try to block after that. being like a center for several downs, like and expelling right. all that energy. Oh, uh, that's a good point too. That's just crazy to me. Anyway, go off moving on the toe. from <laughs> moving on from the toe. Uh well actually we're not moving on from the toe because I have one more fun fact that I found and I couldn't not tell the listeners and you about it uh one of lou groza's uh kicking shoes actually resides in the smithsonian um but actually no nfl rule requires that kickers wear a shoe at all and rich carlis who kicked mostly for the denver broncos was the last of the barefoot place kickers and ended his career with the vikings and lions retiring in 1990 which okay, isn't a say, long time until you and I were like bored. Like it's a six year right, gap. Right. That's crazy. Although I have to imagine it would be pretty hard. Like I'm glad that they're, it wasn't illegal to kick barefoot because they're taking players shoes and putting them in the Smithsonian. Like, <laughs> no, in all seriousness, that's amazing. Go off. Um, that probably hurts like hell. I don't know. Have you ever kicked a football? Like if you hit it the wrong way, that hurts. Yeah. I've kicked a, I've kicked a soccer ball without a sh like shoes or socks on. And if yeah. you kick that the wrong way, it hurts a lot. So I'd imagine it'd be the same, the same thing, but you know, now, you know, there's a shoe in the Smithsonian that belonged that belonged to the toe. 
All right, so now we've gotten some history out of the way, which will bring me to the stats portion of this discussion. So as of last year for 2022, the highest field goal percentage was 94.3% for the Carolina Panthers, and the lowest was 73.7% for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was according to NFL.com. Longest field goal attempt that was made in 2022 was 62 yards by Chiefs kicker Harrison Butker. And then every other kicker's longest made field goal of that year was also beyond 50 yards. This means all NFL teams could score by traveling a little over half the field when on offense because you have to take into account like the kicker isn't on the line of scrimmage when he's kicking the ball, like kicking the field goal, he's back of it. But still point being, you know, an offense only has to cover. Brian, you're better at, you're better at fractions, like just over half. I think a field goal is line of scrimmage plus 17 yards. Yeah. And for the end zone, seven yards back to where they kick it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that puts you at a 50 yard kick would be what the 34 yard line. Yeah. 33. Math is hard, man. 33 yard line. It's nighttime. So (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting like concept to think about though, because you really only need to travel if you're saying, you know, mid 30 yard line for the, for a 50 yard field goal. I mean, that's only that's give like me a three. You get three points, basically, the, almost guaranteed. Yeah. You get three points if you can make it 70 yards, including a touchback. So if you get a touchback 25 yard line, you get to go 50 yards. I mean, not even yeah. 40 yards. So it is. It's closer than even like you're taking off a third of the field almost. Um, and if you're not including the touchback, it's like, what, like 25% of the field? So anyway, point being, it's just, you know, yeah, that's a good you point. don't have to travel 100 yards to to score. So The good news is you only get three points for that. Right. Touchdowns, right. six plus, well, and then extra points, a whole other discussion. but Right. So then to add to this, the Washington Times reported in 2021 that 21 games were decided by three points or fewer that season, um, which at the time was tied for the third most ever through five weeks. So that was only data through the first five weeks, but at the time it was tied for the third most ever of like game, game on the line, you know, games being decided by three points or fewer. Yeah. So now, Brian, with this information I've provided, as well as your own observational evidence through this NFL-like season, should game-winning field goals be eliminated from the NFL? And note, this is a completely hypothetical convo. No opinions are off the table. What do you think? I think, for me, it's pretty... It's pretty much a like why mess with it it's not it's 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 a high percentage a lot of times but it's never a guarantee 
So you're always having that situation that that random, not random, that that skill element that that um I mean somewhat random, you know, the wind blows the wrong way, you get a gust, you know, somebody slips, you know, the the field, the turf, you catch your foot in the turf, anything like anything goes wrong, like that's not a guarantee anymore. Um I think that little bit of randomness adds that little bit of excitement to it. And, you know, say the other team's about to kick a game winning field goal against your team. It's not over yet. You know, it's, there's always the chance that they miss it. Uh, and you charge the field, the winner, you know, mm-hmm. um, as you and I both know, as Bears fans, you sometimes don't even make the right decision whether or not to kick. Uh, <laughs> lately, I feel like we have been making very bad decisions whether or not to kick. Last uh, last game, no, two games ago, it was just mm-hmm. like we could take kick a field goal to take the three-point lead or we keep trying to go down the field uh, on a fourth and two and don't convert and then give them a game winning field goal, which we just decided that was better than a 80% field goal chance, which is just like, that's a part of the game too, is like you're dealing with those pros and cons. So I think you, you gotta leave it in because it's adding variety to the game and there's still randomness involved. Nothing's ever a guarantee in sport. If it was, we wouldn't play them. Okay. I like 99.9% of that take. I'm not of the, I'm not in the, the group that says eliminate them all together. However, after reading the completion rates, from last year and the lowest being a 75 what what is that a c plus or something like most teams make field goals mm-hmm. uh i think they should be eliminated in overtime Ooh, okay so i think that and people you know that's another common debate in the nfl of like the coin flip how overtime works in general all that stuff um, I, th- I think in, in overtime, especially in the playoffs where it's one game is deciding if you're going to the Super Bowl or not, I think you got it. You got to score a touchdown to win the game. Yeah. That's, I like that. That's I my like that, thought process on that. My only worry is just like, if both defenses are great, like how long yeah, no, the game could go on a very a long time. time. Although NHL hockey games they just keep playing until somebody scores a goal. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. It's like and think about four MLB, or five overtimes. Yeah, those are sick. So MLB never mind. I like going that. into eighteen innings over. or seventeen innings. Like, yeah. I mean, now those are the most it, exciting ones. So yeah, actually, yeah. I'm on board. You sold me on that. Yeah. So that would yeah. be that. I think that's that's my take. So I agree with you. I don't think we should get get rid of it. Um, yeah, like it's completely. no fun to just be like, okay, the clock's below two minutes, so no one's allowed to kick a field goal. Like. You know, no, and I think in regulation, to your point, if a team can play to their strengths, 
and, you know, kick the field goal and trust their defense is going to make a stop or, you know, they don't and they, maybe they try to go for it and hold on to the ball and run the clock out, but maybe they give it to the other team and then the defense has to step up again. Like I like that variety in, in regular time as well, but I do think like, I don't know. It does feel a little cheap maybe that when you go into these overtime situations and both teams have just been playing amazing and then, you know, a coin flip and want like a, a coin flip or a one stop or something yeah. and the game was over at, from a, a field goal that's made seven on, on average more than 75% of the time. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like a fun ending for anyone who's not familiar. I believe the, the NFL current overtime rules are you do a coin flip, you get to this, the winner of the coin flip gets to decide if they get the ball, which they always do because on your first possession, if you score a touchdown, you win. If you get a field goal, the other team gets a try. And if right. they score a touchdown, they win. Otherwise, if they score a field goal, then it, you know, the first team gets the ball back again. But if the first team doesn't score a touchdown or a field goal, then the second team or the next team to score any points for any reason wins the game, whether that's a field goal or a touchdown or safety, whatever. Right. Which can, that's where we get into, it feels kind of cheap that it's been this great game and then it gets into overtime. First team gets the ball, can't score, has to punt it away. Then the other team just needs to kick a 60 yard field goal to win the game from the 43 yard line. Uh, and so they only need to make it a little bit of the over way. Right. So that's definitely, I think, where this I mean, as you're comes from. saying it out loud, it literally, it's that for that second, it's like a second coin flip, right. which is like what you don't like about it. Like you just want the teams to play. And that's kind of why, like, there is another part of me that's like, if you're going to have a coin flip, why not just have a, like another time like and i'm not saying a whole nother quarter but maybe like nine minutes of play where you give the other team that chance to you know score a touchdown get the ball back score another touchdown, you know or like i don't know there just there seems to be ways there has uh, to be a better way than what they currently than what do, it is currently right? yeah. yeah yeah we can agree on that i'm curious what everybody else thinks so feel free to send us an email or yeah, or put um, it in the YouTube comments. The comments. Those are always yeah. fun. Curious what people think about yeah. NFL overtime, abolishing field goals in overtime and a regulation. Interesting stuff. Agreed. Now that we talked through that, let's get into punting. Personally, as someone who has played a little bit of soccer and secured a national third place in the Pepsi pump pass and kick in the fourth grade, Brian... Don't don't applause. It's gonna mess up the the audio. <laughs> uh, punting is one of the most enjoyable skills to learn in sports. There is nothing quite as satisfying as being able to punt an object through the air several feet. Uh, any basketball players who are listening can relate to punting a basketball across a court to release frustrations from a subpar practice or game. And if we want to get super nostalgic with it, uh, I remember punting kickballs from the outfield of the recess playground to the infield. 
to try try and get classmates out at home plate because it's obviously a lot quicker to kick the ball there than to throw it there. Right. Brian, do you have any fun punting stories? Um, I mean, I was never really like a land sport athlete. I swam and played water polo growing up. Have so, you ever punted a water polo ball? Uh, How about it's called? A water polo ball. But yeah. I feel like we would try to kick the water polo balls, but that was like less out of frustration. Like if you're mad at a water polo ball, you just would yeet it as hard as you could with your arms because that was more efficient than trying to kick it. Sometimes we try to kick it into the goal just for fun, but mm -hmm. that that was more silliness. But I definitely have punted objects before in frustration. Like I feel like a few months ago I punted your basketball because I was trying to get in shape and I wasn't hitting any of my shots. So I just punted it because I felt like crap. <laughs> <laughs> it felt better afterwards. Yeah. See, okay, so it worked. Mm -hmm. Fun times. Before we jump into the history and stats, I wanted to bring some physics into the discussion. Feel free to fast forward 15 or 30 seconds if me nerding out does not interest you, the listener, uh, but also that's kind of the entire podcast. Uh, according to a professor at the University of Minnesota uh, in the College of Engineering, he made this excellent short little video on YouTube on punting. And using one of the like punters from Minnesota's college football team, he collected uh, the following data. So an average college punter will punt a football from zero to 50 miles per hour in one 150th of a second. This means the football is experiencing over 400 Gs of acceleration, a.k.a. 400 times the acceleration due to gravity. This creates the parabola we witness from the punters during the game. To put this into further perspective, a modern-day roller coaster can have a person experience about 4 Gs, which is 100 times less force than the football experiences when it's punted. I still strongly dislike physics and all of the math that went into creating uh, those, those fun facts and stats, but that is incredible to think how much force is being applied to that object. That's crazy. Cause just like multiple about, times like, throughout the game. Yeah. I don't like roller coasters and that's at most four G's. Yeah. Like thinking about experiencing a hundred times that like, obviously a football is not a person, but like the fact that an, a person is making an object do that multiple times a, a game. That's crazy. Yeah. And to, you know, amplify the craziness of that even more, uh, I've read in a few sources, it's kind of up in the air, right? Like depending on punter, punter and like person and stuff but yeah. some sources suggest that the nfl punters actually are able to kick the ball closer to like 75 miles per hour which would amplify the amount of g's uh experienced on on the football even more so so that's yeah that's just crazy. absolutely wild uh okay but now jumping away from from the physics 
uh, as a strategy for winning football games, punting in general just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, the punt is a holdover from football's rugby-related roots, as we mentioned above, and has been a part of the NFL for generations, uh, according to this New York Times article uh, that I'll I'll make sure I link in the show notes. I forgot to take down the title. Um, and in fact, according to this same article, during the 2021 playoffs, um, the like a specific game and a specific play uh is sort of the how do i say this the matchbox of what this article and this writer thinks is the tipping point and is going to make punting extinct so i'll kind of remind everyone who was who was watching this but in 2021 um coach of the the kansas city chiefs andy reed made the bold fourth quarter decision in Kansas City's divisional round playoff victory over the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. And he surprised the Browns defense with a fake punt and a short pass, which allowed the Chiefs to maintain possession, get a first down, and then most importantly, run out the clock without giving the Browns another chance to score. So the Chiefs would go on to win 22-17, to and that, if people remember, was actually without Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if he was injured that game or kind of re-injured that game, but they actually had their backup QB in, and it was kind of a, you know, a, a feel-good story that this guy came in literally, you know, at the, not even not even literally was the most important game of this guy's career and and did that so um and then the article go on to say that this would inspire coaches in the future to go for it on fourth down instead of punting and then um now to so there's some history there's like some anecdotal evidence for you then some quick stats uh again according to this same new york times article um, which I would highly recommend people read. It was very interesting. Uh, teams punted an average of 3.7 times per game during the 2020 regular season, which is the lowest figure in recorded pro football history. Uh, teams before that averaged 4.8 punts per game. Um, and that rate held more or less steady since the mid 1980s. Um, and then after 2017, it, you know, significantly declines, which is interesting. Uh, but really, it's not rocket science. The article kind of simplifies this, that when a team averages four to six yards per play, the national average in 2020 was 5.6 yards per play, that fourth downs with one to two yards from the line to gain are statistically probable to award the offense first downs and more importantly not give position or sorry possession back to your opponent so brian i've given you all the info you've watched a lot of football games do you think punting is going to go extinct or do you think it should go extinct based on what you've seen and now heard today uh i don't know i i think I'm going to say no. I think there needs, like, I think, again, getting back to what I was saying about variety of the play earlier, like, 
if you're in your like next to your own end zone and it's fourth and long like you need something to get the ball out of there you should i mean maybe the argument is you shouldn't be able, like it's your fault for being there the other team should get the ball there if you can't get out of that situation but i would say like punting the ball like you're saying i don't think i can do anything from the position i'm currently at let let me just get this ball as far away from me as possible make it harder for you on the next try and then we'll come back bigger and better next next time we get the ball in fact i would i would go so far as to say that i think we should punt more than we currently do the xfl i know has started trialing this this rule i i i first heard about this in a video called kickoffs are stupid and bad um which we can link to <laughs> but basically it outlines the there's something called the shiano proposal where coach greg shiano after one of his players had a spinal injury on a kickoff where like because basically the kickoff the players run at each other full speed and like the guy catching the ball is protected by rules and stuff and fair catch and everything but, but everybody else who's blocking for him head on into each other to block and that happens before we decide if there's a fair catch or not and so somebody got a spinal injury and so wow shiano is thinking that's one of my guys like we have there has to be a better way so he proposed doing a, a fourth and 15 or a fourth and 10. You get like, instead of a kickoff, you get the ball fourth and 10 or, or sorry, fourth and 15, fourth and 20, like a pretty ridiculous fourth down. Mm -hmm, most mm -hmm. teams would just punt it away. And a punt is safer because most people are lined up on the line. So they're running in the same direction during the play. Right. Whereas a kickoff, right. they're running full speed at each other. Um, I just think that makes more like more like, the same thing, punt returns are always exciting. There's been more scores. Um, the XFL's trying it out. Um, I don't know, it's interesting. Cause then you still have the opportunity instead of it, like an onside kick is, anyway, we're getting into a different brand of kicking, but I think we should punt more. I think punting is safer than kickoffs, but also I'm not the one who plays the sport, so. It's no, I didn't. Fault. Uh, I didn't know that information about sort of the safety discussion behind that argument, well, behind the kickoff argument. That's interesting. I, think I just thought better. people wanted to get rid of it for, because like you said earlier, like the majority of the time it's a touchback, but yeah. you're right that you're coached to not play like it's a touchback you're coached right, to sprint right. down there and i always find it fascinating the players tackle. i think like the players always run into the end like the the kicking team i feel like they're the, the people going to try to tackle the kicker or they the receiver in the end zone they they always run all the way to the end zone and i think that's because they're probably coached if you don't sprint to the end zone you're running laps all week if you don't right. get your butt down to the the end zone. Well, and then I just think off. they need that space to like slow down too. It's not like you can go from a sprint right. to just yeah. stopping. Like you just run into so, the wall. 
Yeah, I think they're using that to like slow down too. Yeah, that's really that is interesting. So I agree with you for for different reasons. Uh, I don't think punting should go extinct. I don't even think it will. And my my evidence to suggest that there's still definitely a, a strategic gain from punting is when you have seasons like we do now where there's all these rookie quarterbacks that are learning the speed of the NFL and learning, you know, how to operate in the NFL when teams have been able to, and I'll speak, uh, unfortunately, woe is me. Uh, I started Jordan love on my, my fantasy team (laughs) yesterday and that went poorly. Uh, but it's a great example of, you know, young dude hasn't seen a lot of professional snaps and the Raiders would punt the ball and they had a pretty decent punter. I don't know what his name was, but I think like one time or maybe twice, both teams were able to like punt it so that the ball was in like the seven yard line or the 20 yard line or whatever. And they're not given this rookie, a lot of space to operate. And, you know, he threw, I think two interceptions last night. I think he ended with like two points in fantasy or four, something like that. So especially with younger players, I think it puts pressure on them to, to perform. And then on the flip side of that, the other extreme is if like, if your offense is struggling and you're playing someone insanely good like Patrick Mahomes, I'm not saying it's ever a good time to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, and I think he can pretty much score at will whenever, but your odds, I think, of stopping him are a lot better the closer he is to your end zone than the closer he is to midfield, right? Or the end, or his end zone, the end zone he's yeah. protecting, you know? Yeah. Right, like that logically makes sense. Like I'd way that rather face like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, if, if he's in the back before of his mind he thinking, hits midfield. Yeah, if he's in the back of my thinking, like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes probably isn't, but other quarterbacks would probably be like thinking in their mind, like, you know, I'm pretty. I I, I need to do something with this. Like I'm I'm stuck towards my own end zone. My team's counting on me to to get the ball out of here. Mm-hmm. They're gonna feel that pressure and maybe make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of kind of my take. The and I think again our discussion veered off a bit because I think this article specifically that I so- sourced uh, my my stats my information from uh, was more arguing about these kind of newer situations where you have fourth and one fourth and two you're at the 50 yard line what do you what do you do and again i think it kind of depends on who you're playing against like if you're playing against a rookie quarterback and your defense is pretty good like that could get you more yards than and, you know, your one yard QB sneak. Like I it's yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say is if it also depends not just who you're playing against, but who are you. Right. Because if you're the Eagles, the best at offensive fourth line. Fourth and one, fourth at, and two. At, yeah. Uh, yeah, the 
QB sneak, the the tush push, the brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, they're, they're the best in the league at it. Nobody knows how to stop it. Like, yeah, you do that every time. <laughs> it's going to keep working. I think that's um, a good uh, good thing to end on because I think next year we'll be, at this time, we'll be debating if that uh, specific play should yeah. be abolished from the NFL or not. <laughs> right. That's the new that's thing right. I think people are starting right. to... Yeah, no, I, I, about. <laughs> to get back to the fourth and one, fourth and two punt, that is pretty sad. It's it's no fun to watch your team do it. It's no fun to watch the other <laughs> team do it because you're like, just try it, and then maybe we'll get like good field. But like, it's just not fun to watch that. Like, but fourth and five, fourth and ten, fourth and like fourth and more. Like, I'm just like, yeah, just punt it away. You're not doing anything with it anyway, probably. Well, you know what else we can punt away? This episode? <laughs> you no, got like, it. Yeah. Oh, okay. You <laughs> so, got it. And I mean in the sense that it's well, it's fun, you know? Right. We're yeah. having a good time. I don't mean we're going to, like, trash it or anything band. like that. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right. That's it. Another fun episode in the books. Quickly, uh, do not forget to follow us on socials. They'll all be linked in the description below. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with friends and family first. Then go ahead and like and subscribe and comment on the podcast wherever you listen. Thank you to everyone who's who's commented already. As soon as Haley's back, we'll we'll do some shout outs. Uh, we're finally live on Google's podcast platform as well. So you can listen to us almost anywhere now, uh, quite literally. Thank you so much for all the support uh, so far. We are having so much fun uh, putting this together every week. I'm Maddie Portland. I'm Brian Portland. Thank you for listening to the Sports Medicine Podcast. Cheers.